a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Saying thank you to others is something you learn to say to others when someone does something for you. But how often do you thank yourself? right? Like thanking you to your body and loving who you are in your body is one of the most important things you can do, especially when you're pursuing a life of self-love wellness. And of course, finding romantic love. And that is easier said than done, especially if you're a woman and we've been socialized to say thank you from others and appreciate others before ourselves, right? And you may have received messages growing up that your worth is outside of who you are, that you should look at a certain way. There's societal messages that are constantly telling you to change, to fit a societal accepted standard, right? Like we have all these things going on. Now, If you have been following me and listening to me for a bit, you know that my whole belief is working from the outside in, not in the inside out. So this conversation might be almost, well, wait, Kim, I thought you said that the outside is super important. And my whole belief is working from the outside in because I believe it's the quickest gateway into someone's confidence. When you put on something that makes you feel amazing or move in your body in a way that exudes confidence... It all, all of it matters, right? Like it, it markets yourself in a way so that people get to know who you are and that conversely affects how you feel within. So confidence is symbiotic in nature, you know, but what if you don't love your body or on the other side of the coin, what if you don't love who you are? right? Like it can manifest in both ways. And and that is when your confidence and self-worth is off balance. And I've worked with clients of both kinds. And I, I remember working with a client who heavily relied on her looks and showing off her body in order to attract men. And the problem was, is that men she was attracting were more focused on her looks and would wine and dine her, treat her like a doll they possessed, but there would never be a deeper emotional connection or care about who she was or how she was feeling. And when we worked together, it was really apparent to me that she didn't know who she was and what she had to offer a man beyond her looks. So really, we did a ton of work on building her self-worth and value from within. Now, conversely, on the other side, I remember a client who hated her body so much that she would cover the mirrors at home. I mean, this was like a profound example of someone who hadn't dated in 25 years. She covered her mirrors because she hated her body and she had so much shame on how she looked and didn't think she was worthy of a man until I put on some sexier clothes, you know, and I made her look in the mirror. And with that, she saw something different. So, you know, from there, I created a monster. I, I will not lie because I, I remember she was like skipping through the store. She was changing with the door open. We went on a photo shoot. She was doing these sexy poses. And really, it all started with looking in the mirror and seeing herself differently. And from there, she attracted a great guy, a guy that 
treated her well and saw her for who she was outside and in. So, you know, self-love and body acceptance is symbiotic and you can't have one without the other. That's the point. And with me today, I have an amazing woman who empowers women to live their best lives by transforming their relationship with their bodies, who is going to help me talk about this very important concept and how it is so important when attracting love. So from being a certified personal trainer and a certified nutrition specialist to doing countless photo shoots, landing a lucrative endorsement contract with the supplement company MetRx, and spending those years traveling the country for competitions and fitness expos, she decided to change all of that and that lifestyle after suffering from a crippling anxiety, severe adrenal fatigue, and a burnt out thyroid. And now she is a transformational coach helping people unlock their potential and step into their magic and greatness. Welcome, Justine Sloan. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited for you to be here and to have this conversation. And I just, I mean, I just, kind of summed up a little bit about you, but there's so much more to you. And I mean, your story, when I was reading online about you, I was, I, I love your story so much. I, I, that's where I want you to start actually. Cause I think it's just super inspirational. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I really feel like I've lived so many lives in a short amount of time. <laughs> right. So, right. Um, so really my story, my journey and how I got where I am today, it goes way back to childhood. So when I was seven years old, just second grade, I put on a lot of weight pretty quickly. And my mom was very concerned, took me to the doctor and the doctor told her I was overweight for my age. And I can remember sitting there at seven years old and hearing the doctor say, I was heavier than 90% of children my age. So mm. right then and there at just seven years old, that is when I started feeling like something was wrong with me, something was wrong with my body. And I tried my first diet at just eight. We had slim fast in the house. So I was drinking that. I always joke, unfortunately, I was just adding it to like my chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. Right. So it wasn't very effective. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then when I got into middle school and then, you know, boys and popularity came into the picture, it became really, really intolerable for me to feel like this, this chubby girl, you know, I had been teased in grade school and then middle school, I couldn't take it anymore. So that's when I went full force with running to burn off calories and anything I could get my hands on as far as books with nutrition information or eat this, not that, you know, anything I could learn about how to lose weight, I was just absorbing all of it. And so finally, right around 13 years old, I did lose weight. And then I was in a thin body. And at just 13 years old, I received so much praise from adults, not from my parents. They really never commented on my body either way, which I'm very grateful for. But other adults, like even re remember the neighbor kids I played with, their dad said, you got skinny and high fived me. Mm. And so then at 13, I really solidified, okay, people will like me better if I'm thin and my body and my weight are extremely important, you know, really reflective of my value. And so that took me into you know, high school, college, constantly yo-yo dieting, constantly feeling like I was still fighting these, you know, fat kid jeans, overweight jeans, and like always had to be so diligent about, again, burning all these calories and watching everything I was eating. So tons of dieting, which, you know, eventually led to a lot of binging too, because I was so restrictive. 
And then it was my junior year of college. I started working the front desk at this big gym in New York. And I was talking to all of the personal trainers there. And that's when really like a light bulb went off. I was like fitness, you know, strength training, nutrition from a fitness perspective. I felt like that was how I could finally get the body I wanted in a healthy way. So it started out healthy, but again, it quickly went into this obsession and I started personal training, which I absolutely loved. I did that for 10 years, loved the work I did with clients, but I wanted to be my own billboard. So I decided to set this goal to compete in a fitness competition. And then I put myself on a stage with other bodies to be judged. And the crazy thing about those is when you do a competition, you are in the best shape of your life. Like just for that day too, because there's things you do just for that day to learn that moment. Extra. Yeah. Yes. And then one person walks away the winner and a lot of people walk away feeling still not good enough. And you get feedback on what you could do better, where you could still tighten up or be better. So again, for me with my background, it was, you know, a really kind of insidious thing. And I, I just got totally hooked So it was one competition after the next. And then I was extremely successful in the industry with getting a supplement company. And then at that point, I was getting paid to do these competitions and the photo shoots and all of that. But underneath it all, I hadn't worked on any of my self-worth and I was not loving myself. I was not respecting myself or my body or my health. It was all about being as lean as possible. And I didn't care what I was doing to get there. So a lot of the means... Mm-hmm. that I was I was using and taking to to maintain this image, you know, again, it was not good for my body. And so as as you mentioned, that led to my what I call my rock bottom turning point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 2014 when I I looked terrible. I was still going on stage, but did not, you know, I, I really was not looking good, even like this my skin the color of my skin, everything. And that's when I got blood work done. And my doctor called me and said, you have to take a break. You have to stop competing. Um, you know, I had severe adrenal fatigue. My thyroid had shut down. My hormones were a mess. And I also, as much as at the time I was devastated and I was like, what am I going to do now? You know, this is my paycheck. This is my livelihood. At the same time, some wiser part of me was so relieved because I just could not live the life I was living any longer. It's amazing how like a moment in time can pivot the entire course of your life, you know, because I was wondering, as you were sharing your story and listening, had that not happened, that call from the doctor, do you think that you would have shifted in that moment or were you waiting for something to happen? You know, because a lot of times it's hard to move yourself unless there's something external that happens that moves you. Yeah, I really don't think I would have stopped until someone told me I had to. Uh, you know, so again, I and and I think looking back, I I know that some part of me was relieved, but relieved, but at the time I was just completely devastated, freaked out. I just, you know, and and internally it's like I look back and the relationships I had at the time were all very dysfunctional. I was married at the time for a brief time before I met my now husband years later. Um, but you know, that relationship was very dysfunctional and it just like every part of my life was, was really a mess. And I can't say that I would have gotten myself out of it unless I had that really pivotal 
moment and someone I, you know, respected and and listened to telling me like, you have to change all of this. It's so true. Like it take, I mean, I tell my story when I had my red dress Mm -hmm. moment and my fairy godmother angel, if you will, was a personal shopper when she made me wear a red dress. Like, and sometimes you're just ready for that message. Like somebody could tell you in another moment in life and you might not listen, you know, but you were ready to hear it. And that's mm-hmm. super powerful. Like, okay, I'm glad you mentioned the whole relationship thing. Cause that's what I was wondering. Like during that period, what were some of the dysfunctional relationships you were attracting? And did you have like connection to that with your self-worth? Yeah. Well, because of my self-worth, again, teens, 20s, college, um, and then the years in the fitness industry, I look back and it really breaks my heart how I allowed men to treat me. Mm. And because of where I was and how I felt about myself, my body, my appearance, my value, I attracted men who treated me the same way, who were very, very critical, who would put me down, who would comment on my body. And Again, you know, we really, we attract what we believe deep down. So hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and I didn't have, um, you know, I didn't have the self-worth to say, absolutely not. I'm not available for this. I'm not going to be treated that way. I just, I thought it was okay. I didn't think I deserved any better. And again, I really wasn't loving and respecting myself. So I didn't, I didn't have a problem with other people not truly loving or respecting me either. Yeah. It's what you put out is what you get back. Right. Like Mm. it's just so cliche, but so true. Um, did, did you, and now that you've had your journey, like when you look back, cause I think you listening can really relate to this and who you're attracting, like, you know, detect patterns. Do you know what caused some of those feelings of not being good enough or feeling worthy? Do you know what that was connected Mm. to? I, I really do think, you know, a lot of it was this deep rooted feeling of, of my body being so important. You know, I think that was really, again, from childhood. Um, yeah, I've unpacked a lot of, you know, my childhood stuff and it really wasn't anything, you know, I know we can have small traumas and I think it's mostly again, like the comments and, and me really observing uh, how important it was to look a certain way as a woman and really internalizing that and then feeling like I didn't measure up really feeling like, and again, it was kind of this like ugly duckling story. Cause as a child, besides feeling like I was overweight, I was the fat kid. I also felt very ugly. And, you know, that even in middle school, when I lost the weight, I had braces, I had a terrible, weird haircut. Oh, <laughs> um, I always okay, felt ugly. Yes. And yeah. And it's like when, when boys came into the picture, it was also like boys, like other girls, boys don't like me. So then when I finally did, when the braces came off, had a better hairdo, um, you had a pretty woman moment. (laughs) Yeah. Started figuring it out, started figuring out how to actually wear makeup in a way that was flattering things like that. The more that I learned how to manipulate and cultivate my looks and then started getting the positive reinforcement from men, or feeling like I was desirable, like I got really hooked on that. So, and it was all again very, very focused on on my appearance, and you know, really getting validation for that because I always felt like I I wasn't that. 
It's so important what you're sharing because I think, and and this could manifest in a lot of different ways. Like a lot of times we look outside of ourselves to give us the validation. And I think it's even worse now with social media, right? Because we're constantly comparing ourselves to others and, you know, kind of these picture perfect type of, you know, ideals of what people's lives are and and how good it is and that kind of thing. And I, I think that's so important. What you're alluding to is that, it's not until you learn to fill yourself up first. And it's not to say that, you know, getting braces and and having your hair done, like I hear I do makeovers and I've seen the impact it has, but that isn't the validation. That's a, it should be a gateway into helping you see yourself differently. Right. And, and so it can go too far the other way, like where you didn't, you didn't learn the other good stuff about you because there's so much right. about you, right? That was beyond the looks, but you didn't see that at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I would say on that is everything I was doing for appearance, again, it was to match other people's expectations. Like it wasn't for oh, myself. Yes. I wasn't like, yes. let me wear a really cute outfit for me. Or I never thought about that. It was just like, again, like how can I get validation, approval, you know, how can I be the prettiest girl in the room? It wasn't about how can I feel good for me? You know, because now I love all those things. I love style and getting my hair done and nail it, but it's like self-expression. It's a very different thing for me where I'm at now in a different place with myself than before where it was like, you know, really a pressure thing. And again, trying to meet other people's standards. Right. It was for somebody else, not for yourself. And now it's for yourself. That is Mm -hmm. so important. I love what you said, the self-expression piece. It's almost like using yourself as an art piece and admiring it for you and whoever enjoys it. Great. But that's not going to fill you kind of thing. It's so weird. I just got off the phone with a client um, and it's a, it's a little bit different than what we're talking about. It had nothing to do with looks, but she's been so conditioned to be the caregiver and the people pleaser, that her confidence lives in what she gives to others rather than herself. And so we were just having a conversation about what you just said. It's like, there's so much more to you and the value of you is more than what you do for others. Mm -hmm. And it's really like, I think that's what we're talking about, just pivoting and saying, what can we do for ourselves? And the right people will be attracted to that. The right Mm -hmm. people. Because the ones who are right, like the fixer uppers and all the ones who are the takers, like they'll want you a different way. And it's, and it's a good way of warding them off kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Well, so I'm interested in now, because here you are a transformational coach and I know you help people in so many different ways. What are some of the strategies um, that you use to help others kind of have that new relationship with their bodies and themselves? Mm -hmm. Well, I love working with women in, you know, really focusing in on the food piece because so many women have so many issues around that. We get so many messages from such an early age to stop trusting our bodies, not honoring our bodies. And instead it's like, do this, do that, um, you know, good foods, bad foods, all of that, and not really honoring our bodies. So I'm a big fan of intuitive eating principles. Um, I developed what I call empowered eating methods. So intuitive eating. Also with what I say is empowering science, like really understanding how to tune in your body, how our bodies work, just, you know, basic nutrition principles. So we can really, you know, nourish ourselves with love and make choices that feel really good from a place of what we want to do, not what we feel like we should do. 
That's so, so, it's so interesting. Cause like you're, you're doing with food with what we're talking about. Like it's, it, it's eating for you, not for a different purpose kind of thing is mm-hmm. what I think you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's really learning how to honor yourself in every way. So, mm-hmm. you know, and really when I work with women on the self-love piece and we start to do some of the healing, some of, you know, whether it's childhood or, you know, growing up kind of um, you know, things that happen again, where we make it mean something about ourselves and we make it mean that we're not worthy. We're not lovable. Um, very similar to the way you work with women in the relationship and dating arena. Um, you know, it's, it's the same thing when you are really loving yourself. Sorry for all the sirens. Oh, that's <laughs> okay. <time> <laughs> uh, we, um, we deal with that here at the charisma quotient, all kinds of sounds. It's okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, when you are just coming from that place of like how what would feel most loving, what would feel most supportive, that's such a game changer. Not like what should I do? What do I have to do? Like even the way that feels, it just feels different. Like what would feel most loving right now? What would feel most supportive? Like that opens up so much. So when we start thinking about that, same with like moving our bodies and really help. Mm-hmm. I love helping women redefine the relationship with exercise and movement. I like to call it movement because exercise tends to have that very punishing, you know, let me burn as many calories as possible versus moving your body because it feels amazing and it keeps us centered and it, you know, opens up creativity and is a great mood booster. So again, really it's like the the why, the come from, like, I love myself. Therefore I'm going to do these things for myself. Of course, I'm going to do these things myself. That is really powerful. Like, what well, what would you say to a woman? Cause this is a common scenario that I'll hear a lot of women talk about where they eat because they're unhappy and they're trying to fill themselves mm-hmm. up, right? Like it's another form of what we're talking about, or they'll eat when they're stressed out or, you know, or they'll restrict eating, you know, on the other side, because they're so stressed out, like, how do you bridge that from doing things to serve a purpose of, you know, easing an anxiety or something like that versus just, I'm going to eat food because I'm hungry and I, that's good for me kind of thing. Yeah. So with that kind of thing, with emotional eating, stress eating, I tell women to create a non-edible nourishment menu. So huh. I always say food is amazing. Like I love food. <laughs> Obviously, oh, that's so good to hear. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> For <laughs> those of you who are watching on YouTube, yes. when you see Justine, she's just like, she, you are like, you're just radiant. And I mean that inside and out. And I wondered like, had, had you shifted your relationship with food? Cause you, yeah, it's that's oh, awesome. totally. And I, I mean, I eat everything. I eat lots yeah. of nourishing high energy foods, but you know, I also, I'm, I'm the lucky girl at heart and I love cheese and beer. Oh my God. You? Oh like, yes. You like all no the time. Way. <laughs> you had brats and too? Like that's Yeah. Crazy. I'll eat a brat. Um, but cheese yeah. is a daily thing and, and beers usually, you know, I love, I love my drinks. So, uh-huh. um, but anyway, so food is amazing, but when we're looking to soothe ourselves or, you know, we're having anxiety, stress, when it's an emotional need, I say an emotional craving, food does not do such a good job to fix that. You know, temporarily for a few minutes when we're eating, it might taste good. It might feel good very temporarily, but then now we just ate the food. The emotional craving is still there. And now we feel crappy because we just ate when we weren't hungry or maybe oh, polished yeah. off a box of cookies. So Again, it really doesn't, it doesn't nourish what we need. So the non-edible nourishment menu 
is a list and you can break down the different things you're experiencing, like when I'm stressed, when I'm lonely. Um, one of my clients was a nurse and when she was coming home from the day, like she would be just really stressed out from, you know, all the emotions of the day and she would hit the refrigerator right away. And she started shifting that and instead taking like a nice soothing shower or bath, essential oils, like, you know, tuning into her stress levels and de-stressing in that way. And then from that place, it's like, ah, now that emotional craving has been filled and you can make choices from a conscious place of like, what do I really want to eat? So again, you know, really tuning into what are the emotions that lead me to head toward the refrigerator or the, the pantry or whatever, what leads me to reach for a snack? And, you know, what am I really reaching for in that moment? Again, is it comfort? Is it calm? You know, would, could I instead curl up with a blanket and read a great book? Could I turn on a show that makes me laugh? Could I call a friend who, you know, I can connect with? So having this list, this menu of different activities or things that can fill that emotional void or craving that you're experiencing. I love that. And that's such a practical tool and the way you make it just so simple. And it's just a matter of like having that as a daily practice for yourself mm-hmm. and doing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say something? Oh, I was yeah. going to say, it's interesting too, because I used to, I used to be an emotional eater oh. and would binge eat and everything. And It's so interesting because once you realize what you're doing, it kind of like, it takes the fun out of the emotional eating too, in an interesting way. Like Mm. I I can remember when I was breaking that cycle, I would like go grab something and I'd be like, I don't really want this because again, I know it's not going to make me feel any better. It's like, once we have that awareness and it's like, I still can have it if I want, I can eat the ice cream if I want, but it was like, eh. I'm good. You know, it's, it's just really interesting how we start to come at it from, like you said, this practical approach and no shame in it. It's like, let's do what we want, but let's, let's be conscious and loving to ourselves. And then things just start to kind of float away these, these habits and behaviors. It's a great tool. And what I like, and cause I talk about this all the time when, you know, I refer to dating habits that get you know, developed over time, really all this stuff are just habits, you know, and, and, and it starts somewhere and then it snowballs and then it becomes ingrained in you. And the only way to really get over a habit is have a strategy that you can put into place, but then it's the practice, right? It's the repetition. And so that, that is Awesome. What about, um, cause I know there's a lot of women who might listen to this and say, okay, that's great in theory. <laughs> I would love to be able to be and look like Justine. However, every time I get stressed out, I just can't do it. Like how can people start getting out of that negative kind of pattern? Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing, and I say, it's like the secret sauce is our story and it's our story around anything. You know, it's the same with dating. Again, if you say there are no good men out there, guess what? There's (laughs) no good men. No good men. Yeah. (laughs) Be careful what you tell yourself. It'll make it Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's really interesting is even all my years in the fitness industry, when I was so successful and even winning shows, winning trophies for, for my body, I still had the same story. I still believe that if I, if I ate anything off my diet plan, I was going to gain weight so fast. I believed I had to work harder than everyone else and, you know, all these things. And so it was, that was my, my reality. And if I would slip up and have like a, I hate the word cheat meal now, but that's what I called them back then. You know, I would see it show up. And 
I, I always just thought that was in my head that like, if we eat something and feel really bad about it, it shows up, but there's actually, when we're shaming ourselves and having guilt around it, there are, um, you know, studies that show that on a physiological level too, our body actually does respond to those negative feelings. Hmm. But so that really proves too, like what we're telling ourselves, the mind, the body, it's so connected, you know, ourselves they really do respond to how we're feeling and the emotions we're carrying. They have a vibration. So again, if we've got a story that is really not serving us, a story that's filled with guilt and shame, and I'm always this, I'm never going to be that. It's like, that is going to be, that's going to be your whole life. And it is wild because if you told me seven years ago, even six years ago, like you can eat and drink whatever you want and you're going to feel great in your body. I'd have been like, BS. That is never going to be me. You don't know how long I've been like this. You know, I had all this, this stuff wrapped up in so believing my story. I totally believed it, but I also really wanted out. I really wanted a new story. And so I started working on it. And and like you said, the habits, it's slow. It's a very slow process, but I was using affirmations, you know, and when I would get freaked out, about I shouldn't be eating this, I would go back to those affirmations. So I was using the mantra, I can eat and drink whatever I want, and I easily maintain where I want to be. And again, at one point, I did not believe that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) work, You know, and kept kind of pulling back the layers. And gradually over time, I started seeing that really happen. And now that that is how I live all the time. And I really feel like, again, that is the biggest piece. That's the secret sauce. You can have, you know, the best nutrition plan in the world. And if you still feel inside, like you're stuck in this story, you will be. I love that notion of just like flipping the script, so to speak, and rewriting your own story. I mean, and it's the same thing. Like when I put on my red dress, I didn't believe that that was me. I'm like, okay, this is just a costume. This is not me. And it wasn't until I started wearing it more and more that I'm like, wait, this is me, you know, and it's the same story. So for those of you listening, I think, you know, not only saying it out loud, but encouraging people to act as if, even if you don't believe it until you become, you know, like, and, and saying things in the present, which is so powerful, like how you said the affirmations, but you said it as it's happening rather than I could do this right? Uh, I am this. And that's, that's such a like powerful shift. So, oh, just, I love this conversation. Um, do you have any other kind of parting words of wisdom that you want to share? Yeah, I would just say, you know, again, because we talked a little bit about past relationships and now I am with my soulmate. We're married almost three and a half years and, you know, it just keeps getting better and better. We've been together going on six and I, that was something too, even going back to beliefs, like I didn't think it was possible to have this kind of love, like or this kind of marriage even. And so I'm always like, don't settle, don't give up on your fairy tale, like fight for it. And it really does come down to us crowning ourselves, believing we're worthy in all departments of life, like you are worthy of what you want and desire and you desire those things for a reason. So do not settle. It exists and and you can have it, you know, if you're willing to willing to go for it. 
All while eating brats and, and drinking beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have some beers tonight. <laughs> right, you could still be Cinderella with a beer in your hand. Like, I love that. Yep. <laughs> That's fantastic. Justine, where can everyone find you and, and get a hold of you? Yes. My website is justinesloan.com. So that has all of my links and my favorite uh, social media platform to hang out on is Instagram. My handle is at the Justine Sloan. Awesome. Justine, this has been so great. Um, I love, I just, I love this conversation and thank you so much for sharing everything. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And thank you for listening and joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient and I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you listen to this and you struggle with your body image and self-worth, besides getting a hold of Justine to help you with some of that with your body, also hop on a call with me to map out a strategy so that I can help you then attract love. And remember, working on you is working on your dating life. That's all for now. 